every single human in the world, they are all working because they have to work, but also they want to work in a company which is giving them the opportunity either to learn, either to grow, and either to provide something good for their country or for the region where they are. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. Companies today face a global war for talent, and high-skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top freelancers to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Today's guest is Corinne Riposh. She's the president of Pontoon Solutions, where they rethink the idea of talent pool, instead focusing on companies and experts through talent rivers. I'm Corinne Riposh, and I am the president of Pontoon since three years now. We just have, uh, you know, the uh, motivation and the true motivation to manage the global workforce within the company. We are today in more than 110 countries uh, where we have colleagues speaking more than 79 languages today. It's a wide company covering all the parts of the world. Wow, 79 languages across 100 and did you say 130 countries? 110. 110 countries. Before I get into Pontoon, because I want to talk about not only Pontoon Solutions and the work that you guys are doing, I want to go go back a little bit. When you were growing up in France, there was a 10% unemployment rate there. How was it different then as it's compared to now? Because one of the things that drives you and gets you excited about the work you do now is, is giving people opportunities. The, the, the experience is not only based on the unemployment uh, from the country where I come from, I'm coming from an, an entrepreneur's family where, you know, my grandfather, my father, so everybody has his own business. I had the opportunity to start my career just after my uh, my business school uh, in the HR business. And I have seen uh, immediately, you know, the impact on the society, but also, you know, how I can find my way there and, and how I can truly support uh, uh, people to find jobs, but also companies to find talent. And this is what, this was my, my motivation, you know, on top of being able to find a company where I can be an entrepreneur and having also a good purpose and strong purpose within my daily job was very important. And as you look at independent work or just jobs in general, how important is it for people to have that entrepreneurial spirit? I, I know I grew up in a, in a model where you go to work for a company, find a manager, provide value to the company. But it feels more and more that your experience of having that entrepreneurial spirit is important. Have you seen a change over time on how people approach work and providing value to companies? The new generation, they are much more entrepreneur than probably my generation or the generation who came just after me. The young generation, they want, they want to have, as I said, huh? so they want to work in a company where this can give them a true reason to work for, you know. They like the purpose of what they do. And so this is very important. The second piece, which is also very important and why the new generation is much more entrepreneurs, is because it's much more easier now to have its own business or to build your own business than what it was in the past. 
And in a lot of countries in the world, you can see governments supporting the entrepreneurs and supporting people to create their own future, which is very, very good. And would you say that when you were having your first jobs, was it just you were working for people and now now you're able to chart your own path? Or do you say that current generation is having that option? Are you also seeing that with Generation X and the baby boomers that are trying to figure out the future of their careers? Or are we seeing a more, a broader change as technology democratizes access to opportunity? Technology is helping a lot huh? because you have access with the technology, you have access to world, to wider market than without technology. So this is probably the reason why much more people can become entrepreneurs because they have immediately access to millions of people via the platform, via the economy of platform. So which is, uh, which is one criteria. After that, you know, back to my uh, experience and when I, when I started, you know, I had several experience. I had several jobs when I was student or before. And honestly speaking, I found a job because, you know, I, I had the spirit of entrepreneur. So I was willing to make myself available for a new challenge. I was selling my strength as well. And so this was a different experience that you can, you can have. It's giving you even more and more and more experience. And like that, also how you build your network, how you build people that can refer you to somebody else, how you can be able to make yourself much more additional value-add than maybe somebody else. So this is the reason why I do think that entrepreneur spirit, where you know what you want, where you know you are not afraid to take risk, is always much better and helping you to find a job, even in when the economy is not good. No, that's a really good point. I think one of the things that was interesting in your background was the diversity of experience that you had while you were going through school. Whether you worked, at, I think you worked at a shoe store and at the school and at a bank and, and really just tried a bunch of different experiences as you were going through school, trying to figure out your path. You travel to 30 to 40 countries a year. <laughs> and I can imagine your frequent flyer miles. But what is the difference between the people that you see in the various countries? And then what is the same? I can tell you that when I travel, I have every single minute of my agenda, which is organized by my team and by my TA. And this is giving me the opportunity to meet with our customer, but also to meet with, with our team. The difference is, so, you know, you have this cultural aspect, so, I mean, that you have to know and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, every single human in the world, they are all working because one, they need, they, they have to, they have to work, but also they want to work in a company which is giving them the opportunity either to learn, either to grow, and either to provide something good for their country or for the region where they are. This is common to every single country in the world and every single individual within the world. You can find only good people. I can tell you that I'm, I'm meeting thousands of people per year. I'm only meeting very strong people, people who want really to change the world and who want to make the world better and want to work for their family, for the company, for the future of their countries. And this is very important. And you have that everywhere. Yeah, one of the things that you, you read a lot in the, the press 
is that the millennial generation wants purpose. And, and what it sounds like you're saying is, as you travel and you talk to people across any generation, they're trying to find not only purpose, but follow a passion that has impact. Do you think that that crosses generational lines? Yes, it's crossing all generations. The passion is crossing all generations, and the purpose is, is, is now also crossing all generations more and more and more. Because everybody knows that we have to take care of the planet. Everybody knows that uh, some situations in the world uh, are, not, are not acceptable today. So meaning that just for that, a lot of, lot of people crossing all generations right now are really working or looking for better job with a better purpose. No, it's, it, it's sort of what I'm seeing as I see more people go into independent work. If those companies can provide that purpose, then they will dedicate their time to the companies. But if, if the companies that they work for or they can't find a, a traditional job, more and more people, I think, are, are trying to go out on their own and, and find it themselves. I read an article that you wrote for staffing industry analysts. You said that the Boston Consulting Group would define your approach as a river crossing strategy. Help me understand that because I thought it was a really interesting approach to leadership and, and strategy as well. I'm using that every single day, or, or I, at least I, I use that when I take over a new companies where I have to, to do a lot of transformation. The river crossing strategy is that you know that you have to cross the river. But you do not know how you will cross the river because, uh, you know, the, the river can change. The river is moving, yeah? so the water moves. So meaning that um, you can say, okay, I will go in that direction. And the day after you have to change because uh, the river changed or because it's more windy or because I don't know what, or the, the stone where you have decided to, to put your feet are not, are not anymore at the place where you, where you, you have seen there, where it was yesterday. This is really something where the, the crossing, the river crossing strategy is reminding you every single day that when you are working, you have to be agile. When you are implementing a strategy, you have to be agile. And this is how I lead the company and, and how I have done the transformation at Pontoon, leading by making sure that we are enough agile and also saying that when something is missing, you have always to look around you and you have 360 opportunity to make sure that something else will come. When you have a vision, when you have a, the, the outcome that's clear in your mind, what you're saying is, hey, the path may not be linear. The path may not be predictable. How do you bring people along? How do you take people who may have a fixed mindset and say, hey, I know where we're going. I can see the path, but it's it's going to be a little messy. How do you bring those people along so that you can achieve the outcome that you see so clearly in your head? In each single situation, you always have your early adopter. And your early adopter are doing the job for you and with you after that. When the leader has a vision and is able to, or she or he is able to give, I mean, to explain this vision, and this vision has to be understandable by everyone. So meaning that it's much more easier for the people to see where we want to go. When I write a vision for, for, for a company where I am, the exercise that I do, it's always, is it understandable for everyone? And if I have that, if I have this vision, and if I have to apply this vision in my daily job, in my daily life, how can I speak about that every single day? 
So meaning that uh, even if I uh, uh, if I have to to meet somebody that uh, I do not know, how should I how as simple as as I sh- I can explain what is the vision of my company, and this is always uh, you know in my mind. And after that, as I said, you have your early adopter. Your early adopter are helping you to engage more and more and more. I love to put a lot of analogy. So after after crossing the river, you have to build your own snowball. So meaning you take a snowball and your snowball is small at the beginning, but because you have more and more snow, or making meaning that you have more and more people coming to uh, and and adopting your strategy, that at the end of the day you have a big snowball. And when you have a big snowball, you win the war. It's about momentum. Yeah, you win the game. Now let's look into the future a little bit. When we talked to you before about talent acquisition and the transformation of the the staffing industry over the next five years, there's a couple of megatrends that you outlined. The first one is about limitless connections. One of the examples that you spoke about, especially working in 110 companies across 79 languages, is how Microsoft Translator is an unlock for for you and your teams as it relates to conference and, and video calls. Help me understand what you're seeing when you talk about limitless connections. When I think about that is that everybody can have access to everything. So meaning that uh, the world is completely open. When we think about the uh, Microsoft Translator, for instance, it's just because uh, can you imagine that we have today the technology which is able to translate on the real time every single thing, so video, conference call, or whatever. So meaning that this is giving the opportunity to thousands of people in the world, even not speaking the same languages, to be able to attend the same message and to have the same message at the same time, let's say at no cost. Because is what we had in the past where we need to put all the people in the same room or to have the translators or whatever. This is, in terms of technology, incredible. But after that, in terms of opportunities for the on-demand worker, it's another opportunity which is incredible as well. How are you seeing companies adopt on-demand? And, you know, we, we talk often on this podcast about some of the challenges with getting big traditional companies to adopt on-demand and remote work. And there is this access. There's a amazing talent around the world. And here in the United States, there's, a, there's amazing talent all over the country. But there's this reluctancy to adopt the cultural changes that are needed to unlock access to those, those resources, specifically around adopting uh, remote work practices. What are you seeing as you talk to your clients? So the remote worker is really depending on um, the type of job. Some jobs will never be remote, and some jobs will be remote, and it will have no sense to have people working from one office or, or working somewhere. Meaning that uh, clients are more and more open to that, uh, and we can see as well that uh, some competencies today, you can find them only if you offer remote, remote jobs or remote opportunities. So, meaning here is just a question of. Uh, how do we integrate these remote people within our organization and how we can create a, com- a community around that? Because the most important one is not, I mean, remote is remote, so okay, it's quite simple. But after that, is that when you are remote, you work alone and you can feel alone. 
So meaning that it's much more important to create the community and to create a platform where people can share, can work together, can have also time together in their region, in their countries, in their, their city or in their area. This is the most important thing. How do you can give access to these people to have a connection between each other and not to stay alone in their, you know, in their house or, or, or whatever. This is where, you know, when the company will understand that when you work remotely, it's not because you are only working from home, but you have also access to other people. You have also access to a community. You have also access to different types of services. This is an important point. And also remote people doesn't mean only, you know, independent contractors. And even if we have, so even if independent contractors is important, we have also to understand how to make these independent contractors working in, in, in a way where they are endorsing the culture of the company. Because the reason that you have by having people remotely, a lot of people working remotely, is that you are going to lose your culture. So you have to preserve that because the culture is one very important thing to hire and to attract the best talent and to retain your best talent. When I started working with remote freelancers, that was one of the things that I learned early on was giving people not only the culture, but the context to be able to do their job. You know, when I would show up to the company every day, I would get emails and talk to people. And so I would know what was going on. And so I knew the why. I knew the context so that I could go and do my job. And so I I agree with you. It's very important, whether the remote worker happens to be a full-time employee or a freelancer, to have onboarding systems that give people the context and the culture uh, for the company. One of the trends you called out, and this was the one that I was really excited to talk to you about, was jobs are dead. You know, jobs as we know it will no longer exist. Help me understand better your perspective over the next five years, how just the word job or the traditional thought of what a job is, is going to change. Yeah, because you will not have any more job. You will have, you will have an experience and, and you have one job, usually it's one job, one company. Okay. So today you will have several opportunities in several companies to make your career or to work and, and to make your life with, with a purpose. So meaning this is the reason why I do, you know, I do think that jobs are best because most of the people, they will have thousands or not thousands, but several experiences. They will not look at something which is giving them, I want to be there. And, and nobody, I mean, in the next future, nobody will do 25 years as I'm doing now. You know, I'm working for the Adegogo for 25 years. And, and so meaning that no one will do that anymore. Either they will say, okay, I want to do that. That's that I want to do that. And that's that I want to do that. So, but the, the job as it is today is not anymore the case because for, for example, so your job will change. Your company will change. You will not stay for 20 years in the same company. Everything is fluid. Everything is, is not written in the marble anymore. And this is the reason why, you know, we have the concept at Pontoon of, of talent river because it's clearly, you know, how the talent is moving around the world and, and, and so on and so on. And if you are not able to catch the talent when you want and when the talent is available, you will never have the talent anymore available. All of that is behind this uh, job are, jobs are dead because it's not anymore the same way of how to source people, how to, what the people are looking for, what the companies are also offering. 
when I look at millennials coming into the workforce or actually just getting to more senior positions, they understand that relationship with a company that, hey, I, you know, I'm here to learn, I'm here to provide value, but I no longer have the expectation that I'll be here for 25 or, or 30 years. Whereas many other people, Generation X or, or baby boomers have that expectation and, and it's changing under their feet and they're, they're struggling to understand what to do with those changes. There's a buzzword in the industry that I really just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about, which is total talent. A lot of people have different opinions on what total talent is, but as you talk to your clients and you look at the, the staffing industry more broadly, how should we think of what total talent means? Until now, I haven't seen only one single definition about total talent. And total talent is not plus, plus, plus. You know, it's not uh, this type of contract plus this type of contract plus this type of contract. No, it's how do we oversee the uh, the needs uh, of the of the of the companies? And honestly speaking, what we are now working on is uh, to really understand how we can solve in a better way the pain of finding good talent with for our customers. And for that, uh, you know, we, we took the approach to say that uh, we have to break the silo approach. So meaning that uh, uh, we have to stop to look at uh, the permanent employees, uh, temp worker, the uh, short-term contract, and so on and so on. But we say that we clearly need to understand what the company wants. And to deliver a total talent approach, you know, is clearly based on the visibility and is based on how, what is the visibility that we can give to our customer based on what they, what, what the market is available today. Because the total talent is not only, you know, having one ATS, one VMS or one technology where I can put all my people here and, uh, and having a database or whatever. This is not total talent. So total talent is, uh, for, from my point of view, something where we have to to have the, uh, the entire visibility of uh, resources available. It's much based on the resource available within the market or the resource that we have to build for the future to answer the needs of our clients. And this is the reason why we have now the, the talent reverse strategy. Because we do think that uh, candidates are not longer stagnant and uh, we can't, the clients can't wait. So if they need, or if they know that they will need this type of, of, of qualification in the future, they have to take it now. Otherwise, in, in two days or in 10 days, the talent will not be anymore available and, uh, and we will have, it will be much more complicated for them. This is clearly what, what we want to offer to our customer and all of that, or, I mean, all this concept or all this approach has to be clearly under the user experience because at the end of the day, the user, the, the people who are hiring, if they do not have the right user experience, it will not work as well. So, and, and the user experience is something that or the hiring manager experience is also something which is support the total talent piece. So it's not only one one part to that talent. Huh? It's clearly much more than that, 
we can't only speak about total talent by saying that it's an additional or, or, or it's a combination of several type of contracts. As you approach big companies, you talk to the HR department, I think you, you've placed 400,000 plus contingent workers and you've placed 9,000 full-time employees. We talk about the hiring manager, but in between the staffing firms and the hiring managers are two organizations called HR and procurement. Are you starting to see them embrace the words total talent saying, hey, we have two different approaches, we have two different jobs, but we need to come together to provide a, a solution to the business? Or are you still seeing them say, hey, I'm I'm dealing with the compliance of full-time employees and I'm dealing with the compliance of independent contingent workers being one from HR and one from procurement? 70% of the, of the CEO today, they are concerned by their talent. So for me, it's not a question of HR or, or, or procurement or whatever. It's a question of how the company so what is the, the involvement of, of the C-level to find the right talent? And after that, you have, you have two types of, uh, you have two types of, of approach. You say, today you have talent, which is talent available. That we know that we can find talent easily. We know that the year we have to offer the best price for this talent. And this is the reason why we have, uh, we launch recruiter like Experience uh, um, or uh, last year, because we know that just by doing that, we can decrease by fifty percent the cost of hiring people. Just by using technology and to improve or to augment the capabilities of the technology to deliver the right services. So, meaning that you have talent that you can find easily, and for that you have to have the best price. And after that, you know that you have talent that even you do not know where to find it, or even the the the, the offer or, or the pool is very is very small versus the number of versus the demand, and or you do not know exactly what are the new talent that you have. So you have to build that. And here is a question of procurement or or, or HR. It's question of the vision of the of the CEO and the vision of the C level of the company to say that I absolutely want to have that. And after that, everybody has to work conjointly to make sure that they will receive the, the talent that they need at the right price with the right level of experience and so on and so on. More and more companies now, you can see the HR and the procurement working together. More and more now, you can see that uh, the the HR are taking, uh, not the lead, but but are uh, driving the strategy in terms of talent acquisition. And this is what is very important. Uh, and we can support that thanks to technology. And we can support that as well because uh, we are also able to have a partner around us which understand uh, or, or we have partner with us where we are able to co-build together the solution that our clients need to answer that. You talked about technology impacting recruiting in general. Tell me more about the fully automated experience and an example of where you're implementing it with a client. We started in two countries and we will deploy that in uh, three other countries in 2020. And we have several other clients uh, where we are discussing about that. This is answering the needs of the client. So, you know, large volume, speed, and efficiency. And giving the experience to either the candidate and the hiring manager. 
And this is the reason why, you know, in 28, end of 2018, we changed the P of RPO by the X to put the experience in the middle. And, and last year, we created the uh, recruiter lesser XO uh, with one of our clients. So, I mean, here, what, what we have is, is clearly, you know, a client and, and the market asking for uh, more people uh, with higher engagement and better experience. And technology can offer that. Can offer that. When we compare the, the Ericsson recruiter less versus the normal Ericsson, we have a level of engagement which is two times higher from candidates and from hiring managers. One of the things I think that's been consistent in most of the conversations we've been having is how technology, when, when brought to the experience, allows everyone to focus on really providing value, whether it's the, the staffing agencies helping with recruiting or the hiring managers really spending time understanding what kind of talent they need. And so the technology this then just binds those two things together much more efficiently. One of my favorite parts of the show is uh, the rapid fire section. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> what is one thing about you that is not on your LinkedIn profile? I am a rally driver. I, I race. I am car racing or car racer. You're a race car driver. Wow. If you could trade lives with anyone for one day, who would it be and why? I will go with, uh, unfortunately, with Steve Jobs because uh, he was a guy always saying no, 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 no. And I think that they really changed the world and it created, uh, so Apple created a famous, famous product with a strong experience. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you want to bring with you? I will take a book and I will take a knife to survive. <laughs> there you go. What book or movie has inspired you most over the past year? I have a lot of titles in French, so I will try to find a title in English <laughs> right now. I was quite uh, impressed in the past, so I mean, with the Michelle Obama book uh, last year, just for fun. Otherwise, I will probably go for the uh, Unpredictable Organization. It's a nice book that I read. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time with me. If someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Pontoon Solutions, what's the best way to reach out? You go you go through uh, Katie Brashoff. Katie works with with your with your colleagues, and Katie will reach out the right people. That sounds great, and we'll put all of that information uh, in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for taking the time today, and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much for your time as well, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to the Talent Economy Podcast. Learn more about the future of work and the transformation of the staffing industry from those leading the conversation at staffing.com, where you can hear from experts, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and get access to the best industry research on the future of staffing. If you've enjoyed the conversation, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or just tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Talent Economy.